0: Thank you, Rhonda, for putting that song service together. I don't know about you, but man, I just, I get to worship during that time. I mean, I can't sing a lick, but but God don't care. I mean, you sing from your heart. I want everybody to understand that it's not from here. It comes from the heart. And he, she has led us in music in terms of uh, what an amazing god that we have i don't want you to ever forget that we have an amazing god who has provided for us a place like it said beyond the grave i'm so thankful for that clarence clarence lead us in prayer lead us in prayer clarence please Amen. Amen. Thank you, Clarence. Thank you, buddy. The title of the message today is The Dot or the Rope. (laughs) That don't make no sense. The Dot or the Rope. Last week, uh, we continued on, and this week, we're going to continue on in our series on heaven. And just to remind you what we talked about last week, because it is a a segue until uh, what we're going to talk about today. You know, we talked about how uh, last week a heaven is a real place. It's not a state of mind. It's not some cosmic realm out there. Jesus said, I go to a place for you. And it's a place where we know that the, the abode of God is. That's where his headquarters is, if you will. And the Bible told us that Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father. And that one day we will be able to see Jesus face to face. Not like we see him today, but we'll see him face to face because he is in heaven right now. We know a great promise from the Bible that our names, if we have been born again, are written down in heaven. And how Jesus said there's nothing greater than to have your names written in the Lamb's book of life. No miracle, no wealth, none of that. No healings that can take place is greater than having your name written in the Lamb's book of life of life. We know that the Bible tells us that people from all over this world will be in heaven. Red and yellow, black and white. They are all precious in his sight. What a great thing that will be. It. There'll be people from every tribe, the Bible says, every nation, every every part of this old world will be represented in in heaven. I can't wait to be able to get there to be able to speak the Shoni language from the Zimbabwe country. I will now understand what they're saying one of these days. That's gonna be pretty cool. The Bible tells us our citizenship is in heaven, that we're just passing through this old earth. Don't get too attached here because our citizenship is there. We have an inheritance there, the Bible tells us. If you remember, an inheritance that is imperishable. It is undefiled. It is never going to fade. It is reserved for you and your inheritance, the Bible tells us, is protected by the power of God. That's pretty good stuff. The Bible tells us that heaven will be a place where we are rewarded, like Jim talked about today in Sunday school. And it's a place of no mores. No more death, no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sin. Heaven is going to be a great, great place these are such great biblical truths i hope you'll understand those and kind of set those in your heart and in your mind but is there more to it than just knowing information is there more to it about just knowing about heaven and does what we know about heaven does it is it just information or is it uh something that should impact our lives and I think the second part is the best answer. I believe what we know about heaven should impact our life, should have a profound effect on how we live this life, knowing what we have in store for us down the road. So I hope today we're going to look at just two areas from God's Word about Uh, The impact it should have on our lives as we live this life knowing that that as born-again believers when we pass from this life And we're transported into our heavenly home that uh, We know that and these things will impact our lives one of the things that I Think that in the last four and a half years that I've wanted to get across to you that the words in this book are not just words on a page They're just not ink. These are things that he has given to us. The Bible is inspired by God. And that he wants us to stand on his promises. He wants them to be more than just words to us. He wants us to believe them and trust them and stand on them and have faith in them. And when it says you don't have to be anxious for anything, that's what he means. You don't have to be anxious for anything. You can cast your burdens on Him, the Bible says. You can take your burdens to the cross and leave them there. And, and those aren't just words. Those are promises that He's given to us. And as believers, we have got to get past the thing of, well, those are nice words, but I don't really trust them. I don't have faith in them. I don't want to stand on them. And I hope as we continue on in in our messages that you'll understand that, that we have a great promise and we can stand on them. And we can put that in the bank. We can just leave it there and draw interest from it because God is faithful. God is never gonna tell us something that he'll never, never not do. As we look at this, uh, the heaven, the the dot or the rope, Uh, two things I wanna get across to you today, I hope. And the first one is this. Looking towards heaven will give us a perspective in times of trouble, suffering, sickness, and even struggles as we look towards heaven. We know about heaven. Does it impact our lives? 2 Corinthians four fourteen. Apostle Paul has some good words about this, okay? We know the Apostle Paul didn't have an easy life. But in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 4, he says this. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. In spite of the troubles and struggles that Paul had, we're going to look at those in just a minute. In spite of all the issues that Paul dealt with in his life. He went back to the fact that said, the God who raised Jesus from the dead will one day raise us up also. Did you know that? And Paul had great confidence in that because you see, Paul understood what 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, that one of these days there's going to be a rapture where the believers are going to be snatched out of this earth. And the Bible says that, that Jesus will ascend from heaven with a shout. And the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God is going to sound. And the dead in Christ will raise again to meet him in the air. For those that remain, we also will be caught up. And we'll meet Christ in the air. And the Bible says we will be with him forever and forever and forever. And as Paul looked around and saw the struggles that he dealt with, and we'll look at those just a minute, he said, man, said, what a great promise. I know without a shadow of a doubt the same God that raised Jesus from the dead will one day raise me from the dead. I will meet This old body will meet him in the air. I will receive a resurrected, perfected body, and I'll be with Jesus forever and forever. What a great promise, and Paul understood what that means. He understood that there's more to this life than just this. And in verse 16, the first part of 16, he says, therefore, do not lose heart. Therefore, do not lose heart. Because you see, Paul understood that there's going to be a resurrection one day. Paul understood that Jesus was going away to prepare a mansion for all of us. And the Bible says one day he's going to come back for us. You see, Paul understood that that we have an inheritance in heaven that is undefiled and perfected in faith, reserved just for us. One day Paul understood that our names were written in the Lamb's book of life. Paul understood what it meant to be faithful and trusting in the Lord. And because of that, because of what he knew, and because of what he stood on, he would tell us, therefore, do not lose heart. When troubles come, suffering comes, issues come, He says, don't lose heart, because you have these great promises from the Lord. When sickness comes, do not lose heart. You have all of these promises from holy God. And he says, do not lose heart. How easy it is to lose heart sometimes in this old world. When when we're hit with so many things from so many angles, we go, oh, man. They hear it. Is what I've been trying to tell you. Stand on his word. (laughs) Stand on his word. This word is not just words on a page. It is God's promise. It is God's foundation. It is God's cement that we stand on. It's not sinking sand, the Bible tells us. It is hard rock that we stand on. When it when times come and issues come into our lives. Bible says, Do not lose heart. Brian, I want to illustrate something for you. Maybe you've seen this illustration before, and maybe you haven't. I don't know. Brian is walking backwards. Let's hope he doesn't trip. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Brian. Maybe you've seen this before, I don't know, but maybe you haven't, I don't know. But what I want to tell you is that we have a long rope here. And this rope is heaven, it's our eternity. Brian, hold that up so everybody can see it. That's eternity, boys and girls. That's a picture of eternity right there. And what I've done here is I have put a little red dot, hopefully you can see that. On this rope. And this red on this rope represents the history of mankind. This is the history. The thousands of years that that man has been on this earth. That's what this represents. And you can't see it, but within this uh, little red spot there is a black dot. And this black dot represents your life. And what I want you to see with this is... So many times, all we do is we just live for the black dot. We're so consumed with our life here and the struggles that we might have here. And we live our life for this dot, as opposed to living our life for heaven and for eternity. Can you imagine? At the end of this rope is eternity. And when you get to the end of this rope right here, that just keeps going on and going on, it is the beginning of eternity. It is the beginning of eternity because we know eternity has no, has no ending. It will just keep going. And I want you to see how insignificant our lives are sometimes right here compared to what heaven's going to be like, compared to what eternity looks like. And, 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 and why do we spend so much time and worry and anxiety and thinking about the dot and we don't prepare for the rest of the rope? I would suggest to you preparation for the rest of the rope is what we need to be doing because that will be forever and forever and forever, times forever and forever. One day this little dot will be gone. But this rope of eternity, the rope of heaven, will never pass away. I hope that as you live your life, and that's one of the things we want to look at today, that you're not just living for the dot on this piece of paper, but you're living for the rope of eternity in the rope of heaven. There you go, Brian. Thank you, Brian. I would urge you not to be deceived about what's going on in your life, Hoodwinked, seduced to just live for that little dot, live for these few years that you have here. The Apostle Paul had some comments about that. He had comments about life struggles and how God's Word can apply to us. And in verse seventeen of Second Corinthians four, he says this. He says, for momentarily. Light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Paul would call the things that he went through, the struggles that he went through, he calls them light afflictions. Can you believe that? Well, what did Paul go through? What did he go through? Well, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11 kind of gives us a clue about what Paul was going through as a Christian. He says, you know, I've been whooped and beaten five times with 39 lashes. The Romans, being such nice people that they were, they believed 40 lashes was enough to kill a man. So they always stopped at 39. Five times, five times, Paul was beaten just like Jesus. Three times, the Bible says, that he was beaten with rods. They beat him again. This time with not whips, but with rods. One time, the Bible says, he was stoned to death. Some people believe that he died when they stoned him. And, and, and God raised him from the dead. I don't know for sure, but that's what some people believe. That they stoned him to death. It says three times, three times he was shipwrecked. <laughs> shipwrecked three times. Unbelievable. Through, uh, day and night, he said, I have been floating in the, the dark seas of the ocean. Hanging on to a board that would not, was holding him up. He said, I had to deal with that. He said, I've seen dangers from robbers. I've seen the dangers when I've been on the rivers. I've seen dangers from my countrymen. I've seen dangers from Gentiles. I've had dangers from false Christians. He said, I have had many sleepless nights. He said, I've been hungry and I've been thirsty. I've been exposed to the cold. And he said, but you know what the toughest part was it all? My concern I had for the churches that I was a part of. You know, I think in our life, if I had one of those things happen to me, I think that's, that's probably enough. I think that's all. I need. But see, he, he had all this happen to him, all because of his faith. And yet he goes, you know... All this stuff that's happened to me, he calls it light affliction. Light affliction. I don't know how he said that. Was he was he uh, superhuman? No. Was he just tougher than the average bear? Uh, I don't think so. You see, Paul. I believe. I believe Paul had a life that was focused on the rope of eternity and not on the dot of temporal. He had his life that was focused on on heavenly kinds of things that he drew strength from. I believe he had an eternal perspective on life, that he understood this life was just temporal and moving on someday. I believe he knew and trusted the Word of God. I believe that he had so much faith in the Word of God that he knew that there was more to life than just what he went through that there is that rope of eternity out there. And he said, because of that, he said, I will not lose heart because of the struggles that I'm going through, because of the issues that I'm going through. I will not lose heart because I know that what's going on here is only temporary. It's just a dot. And I've got a home in heaven one day. Romans eight eighteen I think, sums up Paul's Conviction about life, and in a Psalm and in Romans eight eighteen, he says, "For he says, for I consider the sufferings of this old world, and he suffered greatly. Did he not? Are not worthy to be compared to the glory that he will reveal to us one day? You see, he he understood that one day glory would be there for him in heaven." He understood what he went through this life was just temporary. He understood when you get that cancer report, yeah, I get it. But he said, I know, and as I evaluate my cancer, and I evaluate my finances, I evaluate all the struggles in this old life, all the things that make up this dot, he said, they are not worthy to be compared to the glory that God is going to show me one of these days. I hope that's an encouragement to you man we gotta we gotta start looking for that rope of eternity the rope of heaven and take our eyes a little more off of the dot and start being a little more heavenly minded in what we do oh. hmm. in verse uh, in Hebrews 12 too, even Jesus even Jesus understood what it meant to be heavenly minded did you know that I mean, Paul was heavenly-minded. Jesus was heavenly-minded. He understood what the heavenly uh, perspective was. In Hebrews 12, too, even Jesus speaks about that perspective of heaven. And in, and in Hebrews 12, too, it says this, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And here's the good part. Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despised the shame, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. For the joy set before Him. I, I, I mean, I personally can't see much joy thinking about going to the cross. But you see, He could look past the cross and He had this great joy even though He was going to the cross and even though He was going to wear a crown of thorns even though they were going to beat him half to death. Even though they were going to put nails in his hands and his feet. And you know that's got to hurt. And even though he would be mocked and ridiculed. And even though he would be abandoned by the Father. As he hung on a cross. He could look past the cross. And he had this great joy. Joy that was unspeakable. Where does that joy come from? And I None of those I just listed would bring me much joy. But as he looked past the cross, he had joy, the Bible says. You see, I believe joy comes in a couple of areas. I think it comes from him, and I think it comes from us. You see, when this joy comes about, what was he doing? Jesus was doing the will of the Father. You remember Gethsemane? Man, if there's any other way, God, I'm, I'm all for that plan B, you betcha. But if not, your will be done. You see, Jesus knew when He went on to the cross and He was going to experience such excruciating pain, He knew He was in the will of the Father. When you and I are in the will of the Father, there's great joy. I can promise you that. I believe He received great joy as He, as he looked past the cross, knowing that, That what he was doing, knowing what the the beating he took and the blood that he was going to shed and his death and his burial and his resurrection, he knew people would be saved because of it. He knew that your great, 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 great grandfather would be saved. He saw him out there. He saw your great grandmother. He saw you. He saw your kids. He saw your grandkids. He saw your great-grandkids. He saw all of that. And it brought him great joy when he thinking, they're going to be with me for eternity. I get to spend time with them for eternity. And it brought him great joy knowing what he was doing will provide salvation for millions of people for eternity. And then the third thing I think that he knew, he knew he was going home. He knew he was going home. And you understand that. You've been off on a vacation somewhere. It's great to be on vacation, but what? It's great to be home. Great to be home. And Jesus was going home. He was going home to where he came from. He was going home to perfection. He was going to a sinless environment. He was going to a complete loving environment. And he was getting out of this old sinful world. The sin that tried to stain him and tried to tempt him and put him on the cross. And he got joy knowing that, I'm going home, Father. I'm coming to you, Father. I'm coming to you, Father. I hope you get the same joy. Knowing that one of these days, when your time on this earth is up, you can have joy knowing that, Father, I'm coming home in just a minute. I'm coming home, Father. I'm coming home. Jesus got great joy in that, and I hope and pray that you and I can have that same kind of joy knowing that we are going home one of these days. One of these days, in spite of the troubles that we have, the issues that we have, the struggles that we have, okay, that we can have great joy through those because we know that the struggles, the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared to what the glory God has for us, one of these days. I urge you to keep living for the rope and not so much for the dot. Second thing real quickly I want to give to you about heaven. Looking towards heaven will give you a proper perspective on your possessions. Proper perspective on your possessions. In Luke Luke 12 uh, there's a parable that Jesus spoke and He talked about a farmer And the Bible says this farmer was very productive, very productive. And I think the world would would have probably given him the title, maybe the world's greatest farmer, because he produced so much. And yet the Bible says, calls him a fool. Because you see, as he pursued life, as he pursued the glory of life, he forgot to include God in his life. He forgot to have a relationship with God in his life. And everything he did was all about him and nothing about him. The Bible says God calls him a fool. Let's read that just real quickly. It's in Luke 12, starting in verse 17. And you'll notice a couple of words here. How many times the word I is involved? How many times my is involved as he's speaking? In verse 17, and he began reasoning to himself, this rich farmer, saying, What shall I do since I do not have no place to store my crops? And he said, This is what I I will do. I will tear down the barns and build larger ones. And there I will store up all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for you for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. In verse 20, God said, you fool, the very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is a man who stores up treasure for himself and not rich towards God. You see, the rich man thought that possessions was life. The rich man thought that, that wealth and possessions would bring him happiness and satisfaction he thought those would be the keys to to life, wealth and happiness. Now, there's nothing wrong with with having a bigger barn. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. So what's wrong that this guy, he left God out of his life. He left God out of his life. He, his possessions possessed him. And the Bible says that's foolish. That's foolish to live for the dot that this farmer was living for instead of preparing for an eternity. And God said you're a fool for doing that. Because your 70, 80, 90 years here means nothing compared to there. And he said don't don't let that treasure be there for you. Don't let that happen to you. The Bible says to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See the farmer The farmer was seeking his righteousness. And then he would maybe someday include God into it. Now, the Bible says 633 of Matthew, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Put that as your priority, men and women. Make that your goal in life, to seek him first. Seek the eternity of heaven in that rope instead of the temporal of that Dot. Real quickly, Paul also addresses this issue in First Timothy. Real quickly, I want to just give that to you, and I know the time is moving fast. First Timothy six tells us this. He says, he's going to tell us how to win the battle between greed and selfishness. It ties into those verses. 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. Have you to remind you that in the in the New Testament. You were rich if you had more than one set of clothes. You were rich if you had more than one day of food that you could get. That's what richness was back then. You can define it how you want to today, but that's what it was back then. And Paul is trying to tell Timothy that, that when you see men and women who, who are all about that, all about the riches, all about living for the dot, all about themselves themselves, And nothing about heavenly things. Paul tells Timothy, starting in verse 16 there, 17, excuse me. Uh, No, 17. Yeah, 17. He says, Instruct those, Timothy, who are rich in this present world not to be conceited, not to be arrogant, not to be pride, not to be thinking you're somebody, or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. So many times when you have it, you got it, and you think, that's what I need. That's all I need. I can pay my bills. I got a nice bank account. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. And Paul says, Timothy, remind them, don't be conceited and arrogant because of what you have as material possessions. Don't fix your hope on those material possessions. And like he told the farmer, he said, you know, one of these days, once your soul is required of you, who's going to own that? That? You'll no longer own that. So Paul is telling him do not fix your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but then look at the next part of that verse. What does it say? But to God. Fix your hope in God. Put your trust in holy God. Put your faith in holy God. Believe in his Son Jesus Christ. But he says that's your priority. Make putting your faith on God, who richly supplies us with all things. You see, sometimes when we can do it all all of ourselves, we think that we've done it all of ourselves. And he says, No, 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 no. Believe in God. Put put your faith in God, who will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. We get to the point in our lives where we think it's us. I got a good job. I'm getting paid good, yeah. But who gave you that ability? Who gave you that? You betcha. You betcha. And then he says this He says those folks that are like that, that that are not He says, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, be generous and ready to share. He says, tell them, if, 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 if they have been blessed financially, tell them to do good things with it. Tell them to do good things with it. Tell them to be generous with that. Don't hoard it. Give it away. God said, get, you got more coming. Be generous. Share what you got. Share what you got. And when you are, 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 are generous and you're sharing what God has given to you, I mean, the Bible tells us that is a picture of Christ and we are shining the light of Christ to a dark world when we take what we've got and are willing to share it with somebody who ain't got it because you see the bible says the treasure is where the treasure where is your treasure Matthew 6:19 20, through 21 I'm closing He says do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. You see, he's, he's telling us, is he not? There's more to life than the dot that we're living in. He says, send up that payment, if you would, to heaven. Put it in in God's bank, if you would. And And when you get to heaven, you will have a huge treasure stored up for you, which receives great interest because what you have done is you've glorified God here with your time, with your talent, and with your tithe. Because you see, you have chosen to give your time to somebody else. You have chosen to use your talent for God's kingdom in this in this church or wherever, and you have given your money in order to further the kingdom so someone else might hear the gospel. Because where your where your treasure is, it says, What? There is your heart. When our heart is on the dot and not on the rope. That's an issue. Because where your heart is, where your treasure is. When we keep looking towards heaven. When we keep looking and keeping that heaven perspective. Troubles and hardships and difficulties might, might snap us down a little bit. But it won't break us. When we keep our eyes on the Lord. We understand what, what possessions we have and what we're supposed to do with those with those possessions where they don't possess us, but we share. We understand that uh, we, we serve a holy God. We understand because we are keeping our eyes on the heavenly kinds of things that we understand no matter what's going on in this whole world. And it is not a very pretty picture right now that we have a sovereign God, a God who is in control of all worldly events, and he's in control of our lives if we let him. We understand, because we keep looking up, that, that we serve a holy and perfect God, who has a perfect plan for our lives if we choose if we choose to follow that plan. And that perfect plan has a perfect timing in your life, if we choose to see God's perfect timing in our life that comes from a heavenly kind of perspective I hope knowing what you know about heaven I hope what you know about when we get there has a huge impact on your life don't make it just a thought don't make it just some state of mind understand it really is a real place where God is and his son is and that whatever He tells us about that in His Word, we are to do. Not just hearers only, we are to be doers of the Word, are we not? Ron, I hope that you are looking at the rope of eternity in heaven. And yet yeah, we've got we to deal with life here with the dot. But there's more to life than, than this dot. If you're living for the dot, and that's all your life is, two things that might be happening to you. Number one, you might not ever be born again. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. And if you've never accepted Him Lord and Savior, yeah, you're not living for the rope of eternity. You're living for right now, trying to get through today. I would urge you today to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. But if you're living for the dot, and you've been born again, and you're a Christian living just for the dot, living just for yourself, living for I instead of him, I would urge you to confess that. I would urge you to to ask him to give you more of a heavenly perspective. I would urge you to ask him to help you to be, have your eyes more focused on eternity than what we're doing here. So just a minute, we're going to have the invitation time, and, and I think all of us might fall into one of those two categories, maybe okay? Maybe not. If you are heavenly minded and you're just not living for today, but you're living for, for eternity and you've got your eyes set there, man I would just I would just thank him for that. I would thank him for helping you with that. I would thank him to help you to guard your heart because once we think that we got it all figured out, guess what's going to happen you got an enemy that wants to steal that away from you. you got an enemy that said, man, now you got to focus on this dot right here, on this issue. Don't let him do that to you. we got a holy and an amazing God, a mighty God. As we begin our invitation time, let's close our eyes and bow our head and let God speak to you. Never been born again, man, I'd get that done today. If you have been, but you're not living like God wants us to be, with a heavenly perspective... Confess that, repent of that, ask him to give you the strength to do more better in your life. Let's pray.